<laughs> Welcome to Hallmarked. I'm Santa Claus. And I'm Hallie, ranking all the Hallmark <laughs> Channel original movies from A Storm in Summer to Five More Minutes, moments like these. No way, no way, no way. Hello and welcome to Hallmark, I'm Kyle. That's what I'm supposed to say. You didn't, you lost your chance. <laughs> I was too eager to say the titles A Storm in Summer and Five More Minutes, moments like these. Usually you do the subversion of the introduction after you've done it more than never times. <laughs> We're ahead of the we're we're ahead of the game. We're doing things before it's cool. Yeah. Speaking of, we're not ranking all of those. That was a lie. God no, no, of course not. <laughs> so, a couple of years ago, we did a, a little Hallmark analysis podcast, which was fun, but lost its way a little yeah. bit. Like we didn't know what we were doing. No. We we didn't have a good format. But thanks to our friends at the Rexy Pod podcast, which are the history ranking podcasts. Thanks, Rexy Pod. We found a format to steal. We did! So what we're going to do today is Hallie is going to walk through the plot of a Hallmark movie that I have not seen. And then, once we've just heard about the plot of this, uh, we've got a series of ways, a series of ways we're going to rank these from 1 to 10, and then... We're going to see how good of a Hallmark movie this is. I've, I've got metrics for figuring out just how good, not of a movie, of a Hallmark movie specifically this is. Yes. So, yeah, I think, I think, Hallie, it's time for you to tell me what we're watching, for everyone to pause, go watch it. Go watch it. Then come back. Yeah. And then listen to us talk about what you just watched. Yeah, if you watch it on the TV, like I did, like I recorded it and then I watched it later, it'll say two hours, but actually the movie is probably like one hour because <laughs> there are so many commercials. I fast forwarded through all of them and I was like, God, I'm running out of time. And I was still late. But then I was like, oh, oh, fast forwarding through these is taking up a chunk of my time. Anyway, getting into it. What are we watching? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're watching <laughs> Christmas Bedtime Stories. And now we have watched Christmas Bedtime Stories. And now we have watched Christmas Bedtime Stories. What happens in Christmas Bedtime Stories? Well, first, we open with a series of establishing shots in a suburban neighborhood covered in snow. And also several military marine guys, because we're in a military base, as we find out a little bit later. The establishing shots don't do a whole lot to establish that, but the dialogue handles it later. It's fine. Um, also- Can they just not afford to shoot by a military base? Um, probably not. I've got one at my backyard. They can just come here. It's like a town military base. I don't know. I don't know how the military works, and I don't think Hallmark does either, so it's <laughs> fine. So they're, they're, they're not like Marvel getting in like the, the shill money from the, <laughs> from the U.S. military so they can you know, have a realistic fighter jet? It wouldn't surprise me, though, if the U.S. military was like, yeah, we have a Hallmark fund. What, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, yeah, we fund Hallmark. All that good... Christmassy, Christmassy <laughs> good stuff that the army likes. Weaponized Christmas spirit. There you go. That's what that's what I was going for. All right. So we open with those establishing shots. There's also like a countryfied Christmas song that's playing. I tried to Shazam it. Shazam didn't know what it was. Listeners, if you know what it is, please tell me. It was okay and I might listen to it again. <laughs> Danielle, our main character, is running a toy drive. And even though she and the other teachers who teach like teachers do on the on the, at the compound on the in the town that's at the military base. Uh, she just doesn't know how. Wait, wait, she's... wait, wait, wait. 
So is the whole town a military base or It's like it's like one of those places where like military wives and families live. Okay, okay. There's a line later where they're like, I can't believe this is surrounded by 55,000 acres of compound or something like that. But we don't see those acres of compound. It's just like a town with normal houses. There's a school nearby. Nightmarish. Yeah, it's... We'll get to that. (laughs) All right, so things established in this scene. Danielle, she's got a daughter, Audrey, very excited for the holidays. And also it's important to note that her best friend, a math teacher named Sophia, is the comic relief, as stated by the line, teaching 17-year-olds calculus deserves combat pay. Delivered almost exactly like that. You hate her right away. Uh, Also established is Danielle's relationship with a man named Pierce. Pierce works for a toy company that donates a whole bunch of stuff to the toy drive every year. Uh, In this year, he shows up loudly announcing, Santa in the house! For some reason, he's not in the house. He's getting out of a truck. (laughs) All right, all right. So Pierce and Danielle are dating. They make cute little domestic plans for later. He's going to, like, untangle her Christmas lights, and they're going to hang out with Audrey. Uh, And then Pierce asks verbatim, Oh, and Danielle, I was hoping we could maybe talk about some things later. That is how he chooses to phrase it. Take with that what you will. So we cut to home, and Audrey arrives home from school looking sad. She's sad because a girl at school told her she was weird because she was bringing her mom to the Christmas father-daughter dance. Danielle assures her this isn't weird, because a lot of the dads are deployed anyway, but Audrey reiterates, but I'm bringing my mom. Then Danielle dances in the kitchen because she's got sick moves so that we know that she's really funny. And then Audrey is like, would daddy have liked to come to this? There's just so much she doesn't remember about him. Um, And so that segues into Danielle's sister, Jane, coming in. And when they're decorating, Audrey still seems so down. So Danielle is like, hey, what's up? I'm sorry, Jane is like, hey, what's up to Danielle? And Danielle explains the situation that Audrey is starting to ask more questions about her dad. And then she's like, I can't find this little Christmas bell ornament that Colby gave me. It's been missing for three years ever since Colby died. So did the movie wait as long as you did right now to tell me that this man is dead? Yes. Is Pierce a military guy? No. But he lives in the military town. No, he just comes there. Oh, I don't know where things are located adjacently. You don't know where he comes from. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he comes from, but he seems to come from like a regular place because he works for a toy company and then he comes and donates. But he's also like at Danielle's house all the time and Danielle like goes out with him to places. So he, I don't know. I'm trying to think, I, I, I like to imagine he has like an ice cream truck filled with toys, like a traveling caravan, but like a Susian one. That he just pedals with his feet from town to town. <laughs> Anyways, I love the classic hallmark. We're just not going to mention tragedy and then drop it as casually as humanly possible. As casually. Like, it took me a while. When you said, like, daddy can't come, I'm just sitting there like, oh, Pierce can't wait. No. Wait. Yeah, you gotta do the math. The movie makes <laughs> you do the math. I don't want to think. Well, you know, you don't have to in most hallmarks. So this is really a rare deviation where they're like, we're asking you. To evaluate these relationships. (laughs) All right. So a man is dead. A man is dead. Uh, Relevant. We transition to Danielle putting Audrey to bed, but Audrey doesn't want the Christmas book that mommy's going to read. Instead, she wants to know how mommy and daddy met. And so we have our first flashback 
to 11 years ago at the Christmas tree lighting, where Lieutenant Colby Ames with the Marine Corps toy drive is about to flip the switch. Uh, This year, they have a noble fir tree, which is considered the king of Christmas trees because its stiff branches can hold up so many lights. But oh no, the lights on the tree don't light up. For some reason, Danielle is like, I'm going to go help this man. So she goes up to the stage and she's like, hey, I can stall if you want to go fix the circuit breaker or whatever. It's one of my superpowers. She is very fun. She danced in a previous scene. She did dance in a previous scene. And in this scene, she performs stand-up on the stage. She asks, what do Santa's little helpers learn at school? Why am I trying to figure this out? The alphabet. Nobody laughs. There are crickets in the audience. Audrey is like, but mommy, that's really funny. And Danielle is like, you know what? I thought so too, but nobody else did. Except for one person. We're back in the flashback. What do you call a snowman with a six-pack? Colby answers, the abdominal snowman. You know, I like the first one. Now yeah, it's going down. It's going it's, downhill it's not, real it's, fast. It's, it, it really is. This, so, is, this uh, is like me making puns. You get one <laughs> win and then it's just downhill from there. You cannot come back from that. So Colby's like takes the mics back. Thanks, Danielle, for her time. Uh, and then the tree gets lit up. It's fine. And Colby and Danielle <laughs> introduce themselves to each other. And then Colby is like, oh, this is my friend Pierce, whose new company, whose new toy company donated like a lot of toys to our toy drive. We're buddies. Yeah, they met on the same night. Isn't that great? Pierce. Later, later. Pierce, buddy. No. <laughs> like later, no. later, Danielle is like, I met your daddy and Pierce that night. And then she's like, but the first time I saw daddy, I had butterflies in my stomach. And her seven-year-old daughter says, you ate butterflies? I just feel like seven is too old for that. They're really trying to, like, cute the child up. I'm still caught up. I'm still caught up on, like, sure, sure. Like, if you break up with someone or somebody dies, there's no reason that, like, you can't date someone who was their friend because you're probably mutual friends. But, like, I'm I'm just, this feels wrong. Yeah. This feels incredibly wrong. Like, don't worry. Nobody points this out the whole movie. You don't like you can sit there alone in your misery. Like a deleted scene. Pierce goes back to his susical vehicle. He suddenly has a long mustache out of nowhere and he starts twirling it like maybe he will have an accident overseas. It feels like Hamlet, doesn't it? It, it feels like Hallmark has unintentionally referenced Hamlet in a way they don't really want to be. Her dad comes to her in a dream. <laughs> you <laughs> he must to kill, kill Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like a there's a rival toy company that wants to take over their toy company, but everyone's too worried about internal politics to stop Walmart. <laughs> oh, my God. I would watch that Hallmark movie. Hallmark executives, if you're listening. Um, Mega Hamlet Hallmark. <laughs> Please. So, uh, so that night ends. Danielle is like, Christmas is a magical time of year because it's around Audrey's birthday. It's when mom and dad met and when they got married. And it's when their dog Star came into their lives. So yeah, this is a bedtime story thing has been established by this point. Um, so Danielle goes out to see the Christmas lights that Pierce has been hanging up. And she's like, they're beautiful. And Pierce says, you're beautiful. And then he proposes. Okay, cool. Good for him. Yeah, it's nice. So um, instead of saying yes, she asks if she can talk to Audrey about it first. And Pierce looks a little bit taken aback, but says, I mean, yeah, of course. And so Danielle talks to Audrey the next morning. Audrey's exact response verbatim is, um, I guess it's okay. He's super nice. 
Super nice Pierce shows up next scene with a stuffed bear, to which Audrey replies, I already have a bear. It used to play my daddy singing Silent Night, but it broke. <laughs> oh my god. I love her. She is so mean, so accidentally. Excited for that bear to sing to her right before Pierce takes her to a dance. Unless Pierce is really messed up and he does his own voice instead, which that's what I'm rooting for. That's the ending I want, but it's because it's the bad one. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Oh no. <laughs> so Danielle finally puts on the ring now that Audrey has given her permission. Uh, and the Mary New Family of Three goes Christmas tree shopping. And what luck! The salesman just got a new shipment of what they call the King of Christmas Trees. Danielle and Audrey share a look. But mommy, isn't that what daddy called these trees? She says, yeah, honey. And then in the very next scene, Danielle sees a man who looks a lot like Colby from the back, which would have made a lot more of an impression if we, the audience, had ever seen Colby from the back. But we have seen him in one scene leading up to this, and it was the flashback where he was presenting on stage. So we didn't, we don't, we get it. You know, oh, she thinks this man is Colby. It's just like, oh, that really looks like Colby. But whatever, Hallmark, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, so Audrey declares it's the perfect Christmas tree when they're putting it up. Oh, I'm sorry. She declares that it is not the perfect Christmas tree because it's missing daddy's ornament. That one that's been missing for three years that they can't find. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. But before she goes up for bed, Audrey asks Pierce if he would take her to the Christmas dance. <gasps> I know this is a genuinely. That's exciting. It is exciting. It's a, it's a very touching moment. And after Audrey goes up, Pierce says that she just made his Christmas. He's so excited. Then Danielle warns Pierce, it's going to be three hours of nothing but boy bands and tween girls. And Pierce replies, bring it on. They ain't seen nothing like me. Curious how this is going to happen once uh, the ghost of her father appears to take her to the dance. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? They ain't seen nothing like me. What the, what are you talking about, Pierce? They've seen plenty men. <laughs> is that like <laughs> they've seen plenty men? <laughs> like you are nothing special. All right, whatever. Oh. So Audrey asks for another story about Daddy, specifically about the ornament. She's really hung up on that one. Uh, the ornament flashback was one Christmas morning, about a year after Danielle and Colby met. They're opening gifts, and Colby's like, "I have one more, but it's not really a present. It's more of a commitment. It's a puppy." It's to keep her company when he's deployed. And the puppy has like a collar that's a ribbon with a little bell hanging on it and a ring. Colby stresses that he's never loved anyone this much. And he knows the military life is hard, but you know, does Danielle want it? And she does. And then he's like, we met her on Christmas. So Christmas felt like the perfect day to ask. And I want to spend every Christmas with you for the rest of my life. And then he, like, the dog collar, he took off the ribbon. He, like, ties it at the end in a loop. And it's their first Christmas ornament. And then Danielle names the puppy Star because it's Christmas. Of course. Wait, so they took they took the collar and made it So it's not really a collar. It was just, like, a ribbon tied around the dog's neck. Oh, okay, of, like, okay, okay. Collar. It took me two watches to understand that. <laughs> I can't. I was so confused about where this ornament came from. I was like, dogs need collars. I know. It's just he was a puppy and it was his first day at home. So when you said he appeared, I'm like, I guess the dog's dead too because that's they needed the collar. <laughs> the collar? No, Star is still Star is still there. Star okay. is just an adult puppy now. Okay. What some people call a dog, but I do not. <laughs> uh, and the next day, Star finds the ornament under the couch. <gasps> Weird, right? Danielle has looked there so many times. You know, how, how did it get there? 
Um, so she's really out of it at the toy drive later, and her friend Sophia is like, what's going on? And Danielle says, do you believe in signs? And Sophia says, like things written in the stars kind of signs? And Danielle says, like someone or something is trying to send you a message. To which Sophia replies, uh, okay, I think we're talking in code now. Um, do you want to tell me what's going on there, Nancy Drew? Because she's funny. She's the comic relief. I... I literally thought of two different terrible jokes I expected it to go. And somehow by not doing either, it's so much worse. Like I thought it'd be like signs. Oh, you mean like a, like a stop sign or Wallace Street over there? Or like like someone's trying to send you a message. Oh boy, all the emails from kids' parents. Like those are both bad, but there's something. There's something. This is just like, are we talking in code? No, she's been pretty clear about what she tells you but whatever whatever so danielle tells her about everything that's happening and sophia's like oh they're coincidences also you just got engaged so it's possible you're feeling a little bit of guilt like you shouldn't but i know that is natural to feel for many like widows moving on um so whatever we're back at home pierce danielle jane danielle's sister and audrey are in the kitchen Audrey has finished making like a little snowman ornament. And then she's like, since we have a noble fur, we can hang as many ornaments on it as we like. Just like daddy said. For some reason, an awkward silence falls and Pierce looks uncomfortable. And so he asks Audrey if she knows what she's going to wear to the dance. And Audrey's like, mommy bought me a new dress. And Pierce says, well, I'm going to wear a red and green tie with little dancing Santas on it. And Audrey, bless her, responds, cool. Come on, Auntie Jane, let's go hang these up. The way she says, <laughs> the way she says it is so condescending and so patronizing. Like she's humoring this adult man who's like, your dad had a story about Christmas trees. I'm going to wear a Santa tie. How, how old is she? Seven. She turns eight during the movie. I... She's going to dominate in life. Absolutely. I wish the best for Audrey. Bless her. Cool. <laughs> I want to I want a coming of age story starring a teenage Audrey just like just, just girl bossing through high school. Right? Like just tell that girl who made fun of you something like cool. Let's go hang these up. I already have a bear. You're doing kind of a Nancy Drew voice, so I'm oh, just no. imagining her as like power plays. <laughs> doing the thing in the Nancy Drew game where she calls a phone. Hey, what's up? Okay, goodbye. Okay. Slams it down. So Pierce asks Danielle, like, hey, everything okay? And Danielle's like, oh, you know, Audrey's asking, and we're both just remembering a lot of things about Colby, which I know is the last thing you want to hear. And then Pierce is like, no, you can talk about him at any time. I understand. I miss Colby, too. He was my friend. But then he got in the way. So whatever. Danielle's like, we should focus on our future. And Pierce starts to talk about, like, looking for a school district for Audrey and, like, moving somewhere else because his condo was too small. And Danielle was like, oh, I guess if I do get remarried, we have to move off the base. I hadn't even thought of that. But whatever. He's, he's like, literally none of these decisions need to be made right now. Like, it's fine. And then he makes a joke about retiring in Florida. And she's like, that? And he's like, I, I was joking. It's fine. I was joking. And she laughs like he got her really good. And... I it bothered me, so I said it. All right, I tonight's get, story. I don't get it. I, it's, I, I don't because get he's it. Planning, because he's planning a lot, and she oh, was like, oh, I hadn't even okay. thought about that. 
And he was like, oh, this is just preliminary stuff. Because he talked to a realtor. I forgot to say that. He was like, I hope you don't mind. I have already been in talks with the realtor just to see what's yeah. around. She was like, oh. I inherited a wealthy fortune from my dead friend who's yes. miraculously yes. Not focused relevant. on me after he died. I don't know why he did that. His wife and child were right there, but whatever. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, his handwriting, you know, got real bad in old age. He was like. 30 something. That's why it looks different. <laughs> so tonight's bedtime story is about their wedding because Audrey was looking at an old picture and like, who's this? And they're like, oh, that's the flower girl. Her name was Jenny and she was the daughter of a friend of Colby's. But Danielle hasn't seen Jenny or her mom, Lisa, in years. There was nothing notable about this wedding scene except that they got married on Christmas Eve because fuck their families and friends, right? who live a military lifestyle and already don't get to do a lot of things that other people get to do because their time isn't always theirs. Like, yeah, let's just get married on Christmas Eve with all these soldier people who are back probably wanting to see their families. But no, we're getting married in this tiny little church where Colby is going to promise a lifetime of Christmases and he's always going to find his way home to her. And then he promises to always laugh at her jokes. And she responds by whispering, liar. Which is weird because he's like, he's actually never really laughed at the jokes. He just got that one right. And then they hit whatever. Then Danielle says one of the best lines in the movie. Who would have thought that a short circuit would lead to a love like this? <laughs> Said very genuinely. It gets points for being genuine, honestly. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that one. <laughs> we'll give it. So the next morning, Danielle runs out to a cafe. And who does she run into but Lisa and Jenny, the people in her wedding, I know. So Lisa and Danielle sit down to chat and uh, Lisa mentions that she's gotten married to someone else. And then Pierce walks in and Lisa's like, oh, are you two together? And Danielle is like, oh, yeah, we're engaged. And it's really awkward and it doesn't need to be. It's awkward because Danielle didn't tell her about the engagement and Lisa like found out. But they've been talking for like three minutes so I, it's, I don't know, man. They were just catching up. Like, like Lisa's husband used to be in the same unit as Colby or whatever. So whatever. So Lisa invites them to like a s'mores and Christmas movie thing happening at her house. Okay, sure. Yeah. And Pierce is like, oh, we can go after work if you want. And then Danielle is like, yeah, sure. Okay. And then Danielle complains about that later because they're waiting in line to see Santa with yeah. Audrey. and. Mm -hmm. Danielle is telling Sophia this whole story and it's like I think Pierce felt awkward because I hadn't I hadn't told them we were engaged you know and whatever um, but she did when the second I I mm, mm, mm. when you catch up with someone is the first thing you're gonna say I'm engaged I mean uh, if you were excited about it yeah probably actually, it's probably right like but, but like still she asked about like Audrey first in all that. So and like, it makes sense. Talk about your child. Talk about the child. It's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. But then she's like, oh, and then Pierce said yes to this movie thing before I had a chance to respond. It's like, but he turned to you and asked you. He put the ball in your court. You haven't seen this woman in years. <laughs> whatever. Fine. So Audrey meets Santa. Do you know what she asked Santa for Christmas? Does she ask for her father? No. Oh. They did not go that route. I fully expected them to. <laughs> well, because she's been accepting Pierce a little bit, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I'm fully like I, I I I'm fully expecting, even though they're slowly accepting him to like him rip off the mask and be like, <laughs> I've been Colby this whole time. <laughs> like, oh, I needed to leave the military. I've been testing your loyalty. You failed. No, 
What Andre actually asked is, can you make my bear sing again with my daddy's voice? Uh, Santa is confused and says, well, that might be tough, but we'll do the best we can. It's a good Santa. I'll give him points for that. Sure. Yeah, Why not? Good Santa. So then we go to the party at night and like nothing happens there except that like a weird remix of Joy to the World plays. And then um, Danielle, in an effort to like shirk all this like uncertainty about the past, is like, you know what, Pierce, let's get a house. Let's set a date. Let's blah, 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 blah. And so they do that. And then immediately after, Danielle talks to Lisa like, hey, you were married to a soldier who died and then married a new and then married a different guy. Like, how was that for you? Were you experiencing all these things? And Lisa says, yeah, I was experiencing everything to a T. Like, everything you're feeling is normal, including the feeling of being held back by something. The challenge to finding love again is realizing that no two relationships are the same. It's okay to feel different with Pierce than you did with Colby because they're different people. It's a good scene, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very nice. These things make sense. I'm very curious. Do they actually reference, like, the weird ghost stuff? Because I could see them address, I could see her asking that and her being like, yeah, that's exactly how it happened from the point of view of like, you know, you're thinking more about your previous partner. So things are Mm -hmm. popping up more. But I could also just see her being like, yes, the ghost stuff happened. Anyways, it's really hard to move on. I understand. An answer to your question. The night before Audrey's birthday, the bedtime story is Danielle telling her the story of her birth. Danielle is at home during a snowstorm, but is worried because Colby's plane is due to land any minute. And oh no, her water just broke. Jane, her sister, calls for an ambulance, but like the roads are really bad. So the ambulance may not be able to make it through. Yeah. And then Danielle is like, call Colby. So um, she does. And Colby just landed. And they have some like communication difficulties because there's a snowstorm in the background. And it's very dramatic. But finally, they get through like she's having the baby. And Colby jumps into a Jeep and then dashes off to the rescue. And that is it. <laughs> I was going to joke when you said he got into a Jeep. I was like, yeah, he's going to be fine. His, he, he and Pierce, with the toy business they share, have the Susical vehicles yeah, that like, can go. He can get through. They get to the hospital. Baby is born. And they hang out with the baby the way you do after you just have one of those. And they're like, oh, she's so cute. Audrey, we love her. And like, it's cute. Whatever. The next morning, Audrey's birthday, her eighth birthday, a snowstorm has come out of nowhere. What? So Sophia comes over and she's like, isn't this like weird? Isn't this weird? And Sophia's like, it's December. So, you know, snow happens sometimes. Like, are you okay? Because you haven't really been, you haven't, you haven't been yourself. And Danielle is like, doesn't it bother you that Colby's is the only body they never recovered from that accident? What? This is the first Homework. time we're hearing about what? this. What? This How- is the first time. How far into the movie are we? Um, we are halfway or a little over halfway through. Okay, uh, maybe I understand a little bit more why they waited till now to drop that. Like, yeah, his body was never recovered. So that was, so that's, so that's dropped. And then Danielle, like, hallucinates that Colby is the one singing happy birthday instead of Pierce when they're giving Audrey her cake. And then Pierce is like, hey, what were you talking about in the hallway to Sophia? And Danielle is like, look, I just I've been seeing all these signs or whatever, and I'm going to go talk to General Anderson about the crash again. And then Pierce asks if they're OK. And she says, I think so. Uh, yes. Not great vibes for Pierce. 
I'm waiting for this to be a movie that's actually all about the perspective of like the guy played by James Marston in the notebook. (laughs) So Danielle goes to talk to the general and she's like, look, I was grieving when you told me that first time and I don't think I really processed it. Could you please explain exactly what happened again? Uh, It was nighttime and a surface to air missile hit the aircraft over the Gulf of Aden. Nine men from the unit and two pilots were found strapped to their seats. Colby was not found in the plane. In answer to Danielle's questions, no, it is not possible that Colby was captured somewhere because insurgents claimed responsibility for the attack and all the deaths and didn't mention any survivors. And no, Colby could not have swam to shore because they sank like nine miles offshore. And all evidence suggests he was swept to the open sea, which is why the military had him declared officially dead. That night, Danielle goes to Pierce's company Christmas party, and co-workers are asking about their honeymoon plans. And Danielle's like, oh, we haven't thought about it yet. And Pierce is like, yeah, I've kind of been looking at beach destinations. You know, I like the beach. It's relaxing. But it's not Christmassy. It's not Christmassy. That's the first, right? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's getting, if, if he's not getting death flags. He's getting he's getting Marston flags is what I'm going to call them. <laughs> he's getting he's getting the yeah yeah it gets worse like immediately after because the big boss man makes a speech and at the end he's like I couldn't leave everybody without one of my signature Christmas jokes. Oh no! What did the gingerbread man put on his bed? I don't, the only answer I thought was gingerbread, but that's not a pun. <laughs> this is more gingerbread. <laughs> a cookie sheet. Danielle calls with delight from the crowd. The boss is delighted, and Pierce awkwardly laughs along with Danielle. And then he goes, I'm sorry, his jokes are so annoying. Thank you for indulging him. And Danielle says, oh, I actually uh, thought it was kind of funny. They share an awkward look, and then Danielle goes to the bathroom. All right, so we're, we're flag number two now. There were probably more before it was revealed that, like, the husband was still alive, but... <laughs> So Pierce, um, Pierce drives Danielle home and he's like, hey, we don't have to go to the beach for our honeymoon. And she's like, no, you know what? The beach is relaxing. Like I could, I could use relaxing. Then he's like, are you having second thoughts? And she says about the vacation. He says, no, the marriage. And she's like, oh, no, everything's fine. And they have the same conversation they have had three times this movie about, hey, everything good? And they're like, yeah, of course. Blah, 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 blah. So this night's bedtime story is prompted by the question, Mommy, when's the last time you saw Daddy? Um, it was over video chat. Colby was already deployed and he was like, we're going into a new zone or whatever. And she's like, be careful. And he says, hey, I love you and Audrey more than anything. Uh, I left something for you. But his video goes out before he can tell her what it is or where he left it. And Audrey is like, what was it? And she's like, I, I don't know. I haven't found it. So then she talks with her sister and she's like, would Colby have approved of me and Pierce? Because he always said that if he didn't make it home, he wanted me to know I could move on. And his sis- her sister's like, yeah, they were, yeah, you're fine. He would have approved of you and Pierce because Pierce like treats you well, all that stuff. Yeah. And he's like, okay. So she goes on a long walk. She talks to Colby. Like, like, she's like, oh, Colby, I don't know what to do, you know, to this guy. But she's like in front of a Christmas tree when she's talking about how much she misses him and how scared she is and how like, Giving into the marriage with Pierce feels like saying goodbye to him all over again. Wait, the she, Christmas tree lights go out. Does she say giving in? No. Okay. She doesn't use that phrasing. I used that phrasing. Okay. I was going to say like, that's, 
Oof. That would have been worse. She means it, but she definitely she doesn't <laughs> yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Whatever. So the lights go out, <laughs> and then they relight up, and it's like, ooh, spooky. And there's a toy drive party the next day. It is a rounding success. So she thanks all of her friends. She's like, hey, thanks for helping me through this, and says everything that we have heard before in multiple scenes. Multiple scenes, by the way, that I haven't even included in this rundown of what has happened. Whatever. It's just another scene. But then her speech at the party has to do with, like, treasuring the past, and Pierce looks worried. And then later she's putting stuff away, and she finds a note Colby left her in one of her journals. It just says, I love you, follow your heart. I mean, there's more to it. It's like a paragraph of that, but it's just like, I love you, follow your heart. So the next morning, she and Pierce meet for coffee, and they awkwardly stumble over each other, like interrupting each other and being like, no, you go first until- They're not in sync. They're not in sync. They're not in sync. Pierce finally goes first. Uh, he's been thinking about how they're in two different places in their lives because he's looking at houses and retirement and she isn't even ready to leave the base. And Danielle has been wondering the same thing. Uh, Pierce wants to be with somebody who wants to shout from the rooftops that they're in love. And Danielle says he deserves that. And then they're like, you know, we really make better friends. So whatever. And then uh, I'm going to give them credit that they d- they didn't wait till the end of the movie to do this. I mean, this is like five minutes away from the end of the movie okay yeah we're getting close we're getting close okay danielle's gonna take audrey to the dance because she was like i think audrey and i need to do this together blah 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 but as they get ready for the dance the news is on the news states that the u.s marine corps special ops infiltrated an enemy compound in yemen several prisoners have been rescued in the mission she calls general anderson again and she's like hey could someone there have like known colby and like be able to say like, yeah, I saw him swept out to sea or whatever. And the general's like, no US military members are being held captive at the compound. You know, I'm sorry. I'd like to help you move on, but I can't. Sad. Why did they, who are they rescuing? I don't know. You think, you think Hallmark explained that? You think the news on this Hallmark station who, who, who are provided they re- any context, <laughs> uh, any context for an enemy compound raid in Yemen? Like, since when does the U.S. military care about somebody other than someone they're killing or one of their own soldiers? Kyle, all's fair in love and Hallmark. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay. Hallmark wants okay. us to know the military cares about more than that. So they sa- they saved her dad in Yemen. How many, by the way, how many years has uh, has it been? Three. Okay, so that's that's pretty traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bad time. It's gonna be a bad time. They go to the dance just before the father-daughter dance, which is, for some reason, to Silent Night. Danielle goes to the bathroom to, like, psych herself up. Like, you can do this. Don't cry. You can do this. So she's coming out of the bathroom, and lo! Who is that man in military uniform standing in front of the door with his arms like this in the creepiest way possible? His back is to her. It can't be. Colby, she says. He turns around. I wish I could say it wasn't Colby. I wish I could be like, mega Hallmark twist, it's Pierce again. Ma'am, I'm here to tell you about the unfortunate <laughs> passing of your husband. Ma'am. Uh, we got confirmation that he did, in fact, uh, pass away. I decided this father-daughter dance was the best place to do it. <laughs> it's Colby. He's alive. Here he is. They kiss tenderly. Um, dramatic music plays in the background. He was captured and held at a compound, and then there was a raid, and he escaped before realizing it was the U.S. forces who liberated him. And then he discovered that because he, like, went to the embassy. I know, he's here, and he's thought about her and Audrey every second of every day. And they go in to see Audrey because she was, like, dancing with friends, and Audrey makes these really weird faces that I don't like. 
because I think the child was told to overact and then followed directions and they weren't good directions. <laughs> so then they danced to like a different song because Silent Night is done. And that night they both put Audrey to bed. And Audrey says, you were right, mommy. The best things really do happen at Christmas. <sighs> Christmas bedtime stories. This is not getting a lot of points from me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the movie, everyone who went to watch it and then listened to my very long, but somehow still abbreviated version of this movie. Like, I cannot stress how many scenes are just like, oh, I'm confused. You're right. It's probably fine in like different words that don't add anything new or advance the story until, doesn't it bother you? They never found Colby's body. <laughs> Just coming out of nowhere. Oh, fucking loves doing that. (laughs) Don't move on, kids. Right. Moving on is for bad people. Like, the thing about this movie is that the whole, the whole time, it seems to be telegraphing, like, like, move on, acceptance, it's okay, it's hard, but it's okay. Like, the first time I was watching this, I thought all the signs, like the Christmas tree and the ornament, were like Colby's ghost being like, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Mary Pierce. Like, I thought that was what the message was. I thought the ghost would appear at the end and, like, the ghost is giving them the perfect Christmas or something. Yeah, I thought for sure something like that was going to happen. But no, he's just alive. He's back. I'll give him credit. It was a move to take the beginning part of a Hallmark movie where she's living with a bad boyfriend and extending that for 55 minutes of the runtime. So much until they were like, his body was never found. And I was like, God, the thing like it's, it's, I almost, I almost left that part out of my summary for you. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I somehow told him everything except the body? Like if I didn't go into too much detail as I do for other scenes and we're just like, oh, she has hesitations again. And it was like, oh, there's Colby. But it's so much more infuriating knowing that they telegraphed it. Yeah this way the second i heard that i'm like oh no yeah oh no so all your guesses were so funny all right let's rank it let's rank it before we rank it though i had a little segment i wanted to do where i go on to imdb and i look up some trivia uh there's only one piece of trivia which is scott fee and yvonne shawl are a real-life television newscaster and meteorologist, respectively, as they portray in the movie. And that was it. That the was meteorologist the... just says, hey, there's a snowstorm in both the flashback and the present day. And then later the newscasters are like, we liberated people in Yemen. <laughs> that, is, that is the only thing those people do. Anyways, that's the only trivia they got. So I oh, then looked wow. to reviews. Okay. Most of them I couldn't read. Most of them were marked as spoiler. Uh, so I'm just going to read some of my favorite titles. Some of the first ones you see. What the what? Bad Tidings. One star. Just hit me wrong. Five stars. Not what I expected. One star. This should be called Friend Zoned for Christmas. <laughs> One star. <laughs> and then there were a lot of like titles with ending comments, though my favorite is just, yikes, that ending. Yikes. Two stars. Yep, that's, yep. So at least I'll give the Hallmark community credit. They did not enjoy this ending. No, they did not, which is really funny to me. Because when I was looking up, like, I was making sure this was the right movie because I didn't catch the title the first time I saw it, but knew this was the one I wanted to talk about. But I was trying to find it by typing in, like, bedtime stories, little girl, military Hallmark. (laughs) Um, I came across some person's very informal review, but it was so, it was like, Oh my God, we won't talk about Pierce. You know, like he's fine. He's fine. 
He's just not, he's just, you know. He's not Colby. He's not Colby. Um, And then, and then at the end, dear reader, I am not kidding you. I sobbed. I was like, no, you didn't. You're a liar. <laughs> You're such a liar. <laughs> this is, this is, no. All right. So what we're about to do, we're stealing from Roxy Pods here. Specifically, we're stealing from American President's Totalis Rankium because I just wanted a format to steal. So we've got four main rounds. Hallie and I are going to go through each of these. We're going to rank the movie from zero to ten. We've then got three bonus rounds where based on whether or not the movie fits certain criteria, it can get additional points. From there, we'll get the movie's true, definitive empirical score. And then we're going to rate whether it's naughty or nice. Mm -hmm. Naughty meaning that it's just really not noticeable. Like there's not much. Don't worry about it. While nice meaning that this is, regardless of if it's good or bad, deserves to be in the Hallmark canon. It's you got to watch it as part of your viewing. So let's get to our first round. (laughs) Merry marketability. So Merry Marketability is the one you're going to expect. It is how Christmassy is this movie? Specifically, how much does it make you want to buy Hallmark products? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about things like the fact that they don't have an artificial tree or that's the main one I can think of right now. So, Hallie, as the expert, what what vibes are you getting on this? Like, let's let's talk about it a bit first and then we can come up with our rankings. Yeah. So I don't have like a number exactly. But I mean, when you say Mary Marketability, I think of the classic Hallmarks. That's like a small town in Vermont that makes syrup. And like there's one cafe where they make their coffee black and they make the best pumpkin pie you've ever had. And not only do they like get a real tree, but at least one person scoffs at the idea of a fake tree. That kind of thing doesn't really happen in this movie. Like, the decorations are nice. Wonderful things happen around Christmas. Christmas is an integral part of the backdrop because so many important things have happened to this little family around Christmas. But like, nobody learns anything about Christmas. There's no Scrooge who's like, who's like, wow, maybe I've been a jackass this whole time. No, it's just Pierce. It's poor Pierce. It's just Pierce. And he is honestly fine. He's really boring, but like, he's whatever. Like he's, he and Danielle just don't mesh. And it was kind of weird. They were together in the first place. Cause you know, he's, yeah, he's Colby's friend. And it's like, I, you know, like, so much of the so much of the lessons in the movie, if we can call it a lesson, <laughs> doesn't have to do with Christmas or opening up at the holidays or even having a novel Christmas experience. Although yeah. I suppose your dead husband coming back to a father daughter <laughs> dance is a novel Christmas experience. Yeah, I think I've got my score for this. What where are you thinking for score? I think I'll go three just because they really do make an effort to like insert the word Christmas everywhere. They really try to make Christmas a personal part of the of the people's pasts, but nothing past that because there's no depth to it, really. I'm going to give it a three as well. And here's my argument is that listening from you, it sounds like it's a very, very effective marketing movie. Unfortunately, the marketing isn't for Christmas. It's for the U.S. military. That's correct. Yeah. (laughs) The military part kind of overshadows any other like small hometown vibes you could be getting because they're on a military base. Not a small town in Vermont that makes syrup. All right. So uh, three and three combined. That is a six out of 20 for Mary Marketability. Six out of 20 for Mary Marketability. Oh, ho, ho. Carryism. Carryism, named after Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, is, uh, is where I think this one is. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. How's the romance? 
man. Okay. Okay. So, so the first time I saw this movie, I only caught it like halfway through or a little bit before halfway through. I didn't really have a good gauge the first time because I watched the second Christmas memory, the one of him like proposing to her with a puppy. Yeah. And so I thought like, oh, what other cute memories did I miss? Like, did I miss any other cute memories? Are there things like leading up to this? Like, I didn't know how they met and stuff. And I was only half paying attention because I was like working and doing other things. Yeah. So like, I only saw like, oh, a cute couple who's sad and stuff like that. So I hate saying it. There is an undeniable spark between Colby and Danielle. I was like, I like them, you know, like, like the military sucks, but at least this cute little military couple is cute because she teaches on the base and he wears nice sweaters and he got her a puppy and like at least spouse comes back from the dead is something that Hallmark hasn't to my knowledge done so far. And that really adds to like their whole thing. Now how their whole thing could have been better is if everything leading up to that didn't read as a classic struggling with moving on thing and was instead literally anything else. I think not having... It's interesting because I think not having Pierce there mm-hmm. would have made it feel a lot less weird. Significantly so. If she was just like living, you know? But also halfway through when we revealed that the body was no longer there. And of yeah. course I knew there was a twist ending and mm-hmm. I read the friend zone thing. But for me, that still triggered, ah, Pierce is not the love interest. And I kept seeing ways they foreshadowed that in the earlier parts. Mm-hmm. Like him not responding well to her talking about her dad or there was another one I was thinking, oh, just the weirdness around the party and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to rank that because it means they did a very good job of making him less favorable compared to the main romantic lead. Right. But it's also just means most of the movie you're not feeling that lovey dovey stuff. And the thing is that when they're like, oh, we're better as friends, like they're correct because they are good in the same scenes together, it's just like, I don't know, you're a bad couple. And th- and I'm simultaneously like, Pierce isn't right for you because he's doing all these things. While also being like, I don't know, these things seem completely normal to me. And like part of a functional relationship. Like, oh, I have looked at the beach, but we don't have to go there. I don't know. This feels, this feels like real person things to say. Pierce puts me in a position where I am mad no matter what he does because the writing is bad. I... I've been flitting between four and six. I think I'm going to do a solid middle of the road five because this is, it's compelling, Mm -hmm. but also people were clearly very mad at the ending. Yeah. (laughs) So like the romance couldn't have been that good and you spending half the movie with a good romance and half Mm -hmm. of it with a bad romance. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it middle of the road. I'm going to do five. Okay. What are you feeling? I'm going to go four. All right. So that is nine for Carryism. Oh, the Hans Gruber Memorial Award for Compelling Conflict. Uh, The Hans Gruber Memorial Award for Compelling Conflict is talking about the conflict in the movie, specifically like there might be a company's trying to take something down, like tear down Christmas, or you have to make a a card or something like that for, for, I know there's a greeting card one, Mm -hmm. or my personal favorite you have been a wonderful life into a universe <laughs> where you married this guy. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm talking about for conflict. Personally, I, I enjoy things that are either very much grounded in reality. Like, you know, mean company wants to come in to make condos and mm-hmm. take down this old building. Or, again, full on 
magic. Yeah. So this is losing points for me already for Colby not being a ghost. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all it's it's If he was a ghost, this was gonna be like an eight for me, probably. Ghost Colby would have been so cool. And even even a live Colby with no Pierce, I would have been like, ah, this was great. But like Pierce just kind of ruins things, huh? Yeah, so I guess we gotta first isolate what the conflict here is. And I would say, yeah, it's just she's not sure about this marriage crossed with magical reminder i feel like the magical reminders is one of the big things i don't know yes but here's here's here is the thing the conflict would have been dealing with the past trauma and then moving on with the help of your loved ones yeah would have been it would have been up there i would have been like wow hallmark good for you seven or eight very reasonable yeah it can't go that high anymore because like it undoes all of that at the end and it's not like the Christmas magic needs a face, but it's always better when the Christmas magic has a face. Yeah, there's no face. The fact that it doesn't is just weird to me. It's just like the universe. So then like the conflict actually becomes Danielle like listening to the universe. Like, will Danielle listen to the signs? Will she follow her heart? But like the signs, again, seemed to be telegraphing to me, Colby wants you to move on and be happy. So... That part doesn't even make sense to me as a conflict. I think I've got my score. Okay, I've got mine. Do you want to go first? Since I went first last time. I'm giving it a four because it can't, it cannot go above five. It absolutely can't. But at least a lot of the conflict is about Audrey being like, tell me stories about my dad. And Danielle finally being like, yeah, I can do that because she just hasn't really talked about it as her own way of coping. And I'm like, okay, the Audrey angle makes it a little bit better. And she also, like, I appreciate that it's not like a like an I don't want a new dad situation. That's true, yeah. She's fine with Pierce. And, like, honestly, I was going to give it a three, but I gave her a point for cool. <laughs> and I already have a bear. So four it is for me. Uh, It's going to get a two for me. And that's mostly because if Colby was a ghost, it was going to get an eight. So I'll <laughs> split the difference between eight to ten, put it down to two. That means uh, for the Hans Gruber Memorial Award for Compelling Conflict, we have a six. Ho, ho, ho! Fridge Placement. Fridge Placement is probably the most, con- most, it's not the longest name, but it's the longest to explain. <laughs> so each year you get a bunch of Christmas cards and the really good ones go, you know, right on front of the fridge where the not so good ones go on the side of the fridge. Uh, this is all to say that we're gonna rank. We're gonna rank the um the cover. Just the cover. That's the it. The cover. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's, cover. it's it's the image one. All right. So let, I'm gonna first describe what we see here. What we see here is we see this woman and her child under a tent. You know, classic kids book style. While uh, she has a flashlight on a magical book that her daughter is reading. Yeah, there are a lot of sparkles coming from that book. Which none of this seems like how it probably actually is. Uh, They never actually read from the book. In fact, they make a big sign of putting the book away and then telling stories. Okay, so it's it's losing points from that. And then also I just noticed we have uh, a military man. Mm -hmm. Can't tell if it's Colby down there. That's Colby. Yeah, okay. So I want to talk about the positives first. Okay. Because I have a feeling, as someone who watched it, you can pick apart the negatives more. Mm-hmm. Do like the setup. It's got a fun Christmas bedtime stories vibe. Now, 
I'm already going into cons. Looking at it makes me think it's going to be an anthology. Mm-hmm. The one thing I really like about this is that with the exception of the military man, you don't see the romantic interest. And at first I was like, well, that's weird. It's usually just a man and a woman. Yeah. Or if they're feeling spicy, a man and a man. I don't know if they've, they've probably done woman and woman too. Well, mm, hang on. <laughs> Main characters, have they done that? Sometimes a sibling is gay. Okay. And sometimes a friend is gay. And there have been both gay and lesbian friends. In either case, I'll give him credit. This does hide who the main love interest is. He's technically on there, but because you don't see him, they're not false marketing. And so that's that earns points from me. The twist does not work at all in the context of the story, but I will give credit to the people making the poster for hiding it. I'm already seeing in your face that you've got, you've got, you've got thoughts. So it's, it's your turn. Well, Kyle, the thing about hiding the plot twist is that this poster to me hides the entire plot (laughs) because this setup, very pretty. Love it. Love the colors. Love the little tent thing they have while they're reading under. It's like when you make a tent fort, like a fort tent, a blanket, a blanket fort, there you go, a blanket fort, yeah. And it sounds delightful. And you and you hang out underneath it and you read with the flashlight, which evokes in me adventure stories or fairy tales, something of that classic ilk, rather than like, here's how your mom and your dad and I met. That's that's not what this is. They and the book open looks like we are telling you actual fiction stories written by a different person. In addition, the magic sparkles make it look like these stories are going to have an effect, which I guess they do because she sees all the signs with like the ornaments and stuff. But like, this doesn't evoke to me a mother sharing her past with her daughter and like remembering someone they loved. This shares to me a mother and a daughter having fun with some stories. And maybe like the picture of the military man gives me the feeling that like, oh, this man is either passed away or he is overseas. And so they're telling stories about him to keep him alive. But then the vibe I get is telling like purposefully exaggerated stories to keep him alive. Like, did you know the time your father fought a lion? Yeah. Like that's what I, that's what I would get from this poster. And that is not at all what the movie is. I also, I don't know what this basket is. They could have, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I d- there's nothing in the, in the movie that's important there, but the bell ornament is on there. Um, And that notebook that's open, that's where Colby's note was hidden in. Okay, that's something. So that's like nice. That's like a specific, but these are all specific things I can now recognize having seen the movie that on a poster don't tell me anything about the vibes or what the movie is about. So these seem like silly things to choose to put on the poster. I don't like it. Here's my here's my counterpoint, because I've been looking through some other Hallmark posters. It is not just a man and a woman. There's my argument. Not just a man and a woman gets it like two points from me. Okay. What's it getting from you? Um, it gets a four because I really like the colors and two from not a man and a woman. And then, um, one, because like it says the title, it's like how you get 200 points for writing your name correctly on the SAT. It says the title and the actresses are on it and it looks pretty, you know, it's got to look pretty. It gets an eight for me. (sighs) It's wrong, but okay. I just, I, I like it. I like it. I think I, I enjoy it. It's wrong. It looks like a better movie than it is. (laughs) 
So that that's 12 total, but this one we're going to cut in half. So that is going to be six. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> bonus. Now we're going to have some bonus rounds. Because we aren't cutting in half like they are for Totalis Rankium, each bonus round is going to be worth two points instead of one. Uh, and some of them have multiple criteria. So the first bonus round, do the leads have Christmas names? Two points for each name. And names are things like Christian and Holly. <laughs> and uh, no, I don't think n- nope. n- neither of them do. Not a single person. All right, next one. Two points. Is there a tragic child? Yeah, Audrey's a tragic child. Someone at school made fun of her for bringing her mom to the daddy-daughter dance. Now, here's the interesting one. Bonus points if their tragedy is magically fixed through the power of Christmas spirit. So it has to be, it's fixed, and it's through Christmas. So if she went to, like, the dance with... I even actually joked to Emily before this... Uh, my my wife, I said, so for example, if a kid had a dead dad and like the new guy became a father figure, that wouldn't count. But if the dad magically came back to life and I wasn't sure because on one hand, he doesn't come back to life. On the other hand, the final line claims that Christmas brought him back. I was going to say, I'm going to argue for it getting the bonus points because of the final line. The best things really do happen at Christmas. I think we have to give it. Okay. Okay. That's four points. And finally, I didn't pipe down Santa Claus here. I said, (laughs) is there specifically a magical or unsettling Santa Claus? No. And yeah, I don't think the Santa counts. No, this this completely normal mall Santa handled a problem well and did not appear to have any actual magical powers, nor were the signs attributed to anything besides the universe. So can't give it here. Okay, so I've tallied up all the points. That means Christmas bedtime stories out of a possible 80 points has 31. 31 out of 80! Congratulations, Christmas bedtime stories. (laughs) But we have one more thing before we must wrap up. And that is we have to decide, is this movie (laughs) naughty or nice? Naughty or nice, as I said again, is not is it bad or good. It's Not only is it worth watching, is it required watching? If you are going through the Hallmark canon, is this something that is really notable worth watching? Earlier, when you said naughty was anything that's like not notable, I was like, well, you could argue that it's notable because yikes, that ending. Like the twist ending is really, that would be my argument. That would be my argument for it being like a classic Hallmark. But it also, we've also argued like, we didn't give it a lot of points in Merry Marketing because it didn't have a lot of classic Hallmark Christmas stuff and no one was named it. Like every other argument we've made, except that it is notable because the ending is so yikes and nobody likes it. So it would have to be like a nice with an asterisk if we gave it nice. It's it's tough because if we had, if we had seen more since this one came out this year, so it would have yep. been one of the last ones we saw, I would have been a, had a much better gauge of... How much worse does this get? And how much weirder does this get? (sighs) The twist ending is all I can give it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if that's enough. Because it's not weird. It's not exceptionally good. It's got a bad Mm -hmm. theme, but a mundane bad theme. And if this was the only one with a bad twist like this, I would argue it's nice. Mm -hmm. With how many movies Hallmark has made, 
I can't in good faith assume this is the only one with a bad twist. What if we gave it nice pending? <laughs> okay. Because because we already broke our introduction format, so let's also say- break the naughty and nice format before we even do a real one. Uh so <laughs> it's it's um so you know how Santa uh he's checking his list and checking it twice? It's going to get a first check nice. <laughs> and we'll come back and when we check this a second time, assuming we ever do, then we can decide. Assuming we check other Hallmark movies as well exactly, to see if there are any yeah. twists. I don't know if any off the top of my head, and I consider myself a Hallmark aficionado, but there are still many that I have not seen. And so I would like to explore the canon a little bit more before we do the second check mark on this one. Okay, so that is, uh, it is going to be first check nice, I guess first is what we'll call nice. it. <laughs> Congratulations, Christmas bedtime stories. Oh god, that that just means this movie is Pierce. Oh no! It's it's it's. We'll we'll give it nice until such point that we find a better older movie. (laughs) Oh no! And that is Christmas bedtime stories. I hope you enjoyed our our bonus episode going into. Uh, revisiting Hallmarked from a new point of view, stealing another format, and just shoveling U.S. military propaganda at you for yeah. an hour and <laughs> and some change. Our next episode, we're going to go back to uh, role-playing games after this. Uh, we're actually going to have the finale of our first arc of Hereafter. So the first episode of that finale adventure, The State versus Irene Hawthorne, will be releasing in 2023 on Monday, January 9th. Uh, but before we go, Hallie, do you have anything uh, to tell the folks on this, the day after Christmas? Um, I hope your husband is alive and that you have a Merry Christmas together. May everybody find a missing living husband in their home this holiday season. It's <laughs> all I wish for you for Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. This week on home, I'm not going to do that. Hallmarked! Christmas bedtime stories. Are you naughty or nice? Dun, 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 dun. I will probably do that for those. Oh, welcome to Hallmark. Actually, Santa would work for, for the main rounds. That I was just, a decent Santa. It's Wait, it's just Megan's voice. Oh, yeah, that's what it is also. We will not be using real criteria. I, I cannot stress that enough. We're using custom criteria, but this is, do you see any other Hallmark ranking podcasts out there? No, this is the, def- there actually might be one, but this is still the definitive. Oh yeah, no, I meant real as in like, is the cinematography good? Oh, okay, okay. How much on Wii is in it? Is it in black and white? Like that, <laughs> is it good? <laughs> That's not being asked here. See, now no, I want, now, now I, I want to do now a sh- Criterion Collection podcast <laughs> where we do just a bunch of pretentious things like is it in black and white? How much of the language is in French? Not another language, French specifically. Specifically French. How many times does the man drink whiskey? I would I yes, we're going to table that. Listeners, you heard it here first. Not only have we subverted our own format before doing our own format, we now have a second podcast, a third podcast. A fourth if we count Hallmarked (laughs) one.
I'm going to see if before they did the original channel movies, keep going. I'm going to see if they did Hamlet. They did the Tempest. Do that. I'm going to put this in the post credits, but uh, they did make a Hallmark back in 2000. It's got this really just generic looking white guy staring at a skull. That could be any man off the street. He looks like he's just wearing two white office t-shirts, one of which has been more unbuttoned than the other. Look at those buttons that were definitely not made in the 15th century. Oh my god, I love it. William Shakespeare's immortal classic of love, hate, murder, and revenge. It was made by Hallmark Entertainment. So not a Hallmark Channel original Mm. movie, I don't think. But It's not an original, but I want to see it. (laughs) 